Another round of Bedlam is upon us, and I cannot wait for it. And what did Gundy do wrong this daggone time? It's always something, isn't it? Or is it? You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We are available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at All Day O State. And I implore you to go ahead and, and jump on there. I've been getting a lot of um, direct messages lately on Twitter. Uh, from from you guys watching the show, so I greatly appreciate that. It gives me good ideas. It gives me some th- some things to dive into, and and some different ways of looking at some particular things. So I greatly appreciate it. And before we get into baseball, I got to give a shout out to um, our our main man Donnie Walton. I got this Mariners shirt whenever he was with, obviously the Mariners, which he no longer is. Okay, not a big deal. But it's still baseball. But before we get to baseball, I'm sure you guys have been hearing, and we've covered just like skimming the surface layer of the transfer of Caleb Etienne. Now, and and we all know uh, last year there was some things that was not handled right within the locker room. There were some conversations that happened with some players that ended up being directly not accurate right there's some things that were said some things that were promised some things that were discussed some game plans put together and they ended up getting shelved and it caused a lot of animosity in the locker room and we lost part of the locker room so yesterday we talked about obviously the linebackers and how xavier benson was instrumental and being one of those voices that stepped up and said okay all of this stuff that happened inside the locker room last season it cannot happen this year. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, what was said, what wasn't said, how it went, what led to what, injuries, yada, yada, yada. And that's the voice that, that we needed, which is why I think that not only should we all be willing to buy stock in Brian Nardo, we should also be willing to look at the schedule and allow it to help us buy some more stock in my Gundy. Because all any of us have ever asked for is for Mike Gundy to evolve, right? To grow, to adapt, to change, be a little bit more personable, be a little bit more connected with the players or the recruits or the parents or the process, or take more of the, the hands-off CEO uh, role, or you know, be more hands-on and be more involved with the offense instead of just being involved with the offense on overriding via headset, right? These are all logical things that have been asked for and seemingly – corrected right if anybody has any misconstrued notions on what the offense is going to be this year or better yet who's responsible for it not going right it, it can't all be undone this year and i think that's a brilliant move on gundy's part 
Gundy's saying, I'm going to be more involved with the play calling side of things. Not, not even necessarily that, but just designing everything throughout the entirety of the week to get set up for a game plan to do X, Y, and Z against this, this opponent. So he's going to be directly involved and in basically helping Casey Dunn understand this is what I did then. This is why it worked. And now combining it, combining it with some of the things that you want to do or have been doing, here's what I think will work best. And then they will work together offensively, and we will see what that delivers, right? The product we get on the field at offense next season will be solely responsible to the main man himself, Mike Gundy. This was his decision to do this, to be more involved, instead of going and changing the staff, right? Do You don't want to get a new tight ends coach? Fine. We're down. You don't want to get a new O-line coach? Fine. We're down. You don't want to get a new OC? Fine. We're down. You have some things to correct. And from what I'm hearing, he's correcting most of it. Only time will tell to figure out how genuine it is. But everything needs to be called a spade a spade. The Braylon Presley stuff, it needed to be called what it was. Spencer Sanders stuff, that needed to be called what it was, as is Trace Ford, Mason Cobb, the list goes on and on. No matter how innocent or obscure the transitional process may have been, in my opinion, if you're being disingenuous, a.k.a. lying, then you're not really helping any side, right? And I do find it ironic that we have some people leave because of decisions directly made by the head man himself and his staff. And you hear people that are like, oh yeah, good riddance. Get, get, get it gone. We don't want you around here if you don't want to be here. But then we also had players that are now leaving the program. And it's the opposite reaction of, oh, look what Gundy's doing. He's ruining everything again. They all don't have to be interlinked negatively. Caleb Etienne did not leave because of Mike Gundy. Caleb Etienne did not leave because of mismanagement of a player or a group of players or potential newcoming players. It had nothing to do with any of that. This particular situation is... Our main man, Kaylee BTN, and, and glad he found a good landing spot. Good for him. Hope for the best. But this is a situation where he had the job coming into the spring. It was his job. And you figured, obviously, Dalton Cooper's probably going to play the other side. Okay, that makes complete sense. He had the job coming in. He allowed a couple people to catch him. He had then allowed a couple people to get in rotation with him. And that was something that he couldn't stomach going into the fall. He thinks he should be the guy. And he should be the guy. Opposite of Dalton Cooper. He should be. But he did not take that opportunity to seize that moment. This is not a Gundy situation. This is not a Dunn situation, not a Dickey situation. This is a nobody situation other than the kid did not like the fact that there's going to be a rotation in the fall. So it, it just, it is what it is. Now, is it going to hurt? Yes, because let's just face it, guys. He does have, what, 12 starts under his belt? So even if it's just a depth piece, it's a really good depth piece, a very good depth piece. Problem is, he thinks he's an every minute, every day, every down starter, and he very well may be. This might be a situation where we're incorrect, but I don't think so. Just because you got the size doesn't mean you have the mentality and or the, the ability to make it happen. 
If we shed 65 pounds off of this gentleman, we taught him what the body by glass system is. We taught him what Division One football is supposed to look like from a weight room and preparation standpoint. We taught him all of that. We got him prepared, and he had an entire year to start, and then he couldn't seize the job. I don't think that any of us should even begin to think this is an indictment on, on Gundy. If this becomes a widespread problem, then yeah, maybe. But right now, it's just a couple dudes. Losing Ben Kapinski, that really kind of does suck because he was a, a pretty good rotational piece last year. Could he have seen a little bit more of an extended role, especially at that Colin Oliver type of situation later on down the line? Yeah, I think he maybe could have. But Gundy's doing a really good job of retention. And I know we've still got a lot of time here where people can check out before fall camp. But it's not going to be like this time last year. It's just not. And again, we got to give credit credits due. Kudos to Gundy. It appears as though this approach of I'm going to double down. I'm not going to fire anybody. I'm only going to bring in somebody from a Gannon University who is a flipping fracking gym. Got to give Gundy credit for that, too. This simplicity, shove it down your throat, nasty, we're going to do this and we're going to make you stop it. Mentality is just what we needed. You can have all the skill, talent in the world. You can have all the athleticism in the world. But if it doesn't come with some tenacity, uh, the right mindset, the right mental makeup, then none of it matters. It's a null and void situation. So again, do I think we should have made some changes? Yes, absolutely, 100%. I think that Gundy seat absolutely deserves to be at least warm. But what you're asking for is growth, adaptation, change. And what we're hearing is you're getting that which means this is an isolated situation at the moment. It is what it is. Caleb Etienne did not want to rotate in the fall. Okay, you do you, boo-boo, and good luck to you. We'll see you, we'll see you on down the line. It is what it is. But now we get to talk about why people like Jake Springfield and Cole Birmingham have done amazingly well, right? Why Preston Wilson was able to shift all across the line, even to tackle. We know what we have in Dalton Cooper. Now we know what we, we know what we have in those guys. We didn't necessarily know if it was always going to be the right fit at the tackle position. But so far, with this new adaptation mentality mode that we're taking on, it's the nastiness, the simplicity. We said it before. Every offensive lineman in the United States of anywhere would tell you he would rather grab his guy Right, get inside pad, inside leverage, and get pancakes on the stat sheets. That's what it's about. It's really hard to do in pass pro. Pass protection requires a lot of different things that pat that run running the game the ball does not. The run game is just so much better for offensive linemen. So if you've got the right dudes to do it. There's a reason why the SEC and the Big Ten built their foundations off of that. 
And we've always struggled with having the guys, right, the meat and the taters to get her done. We don't have that problem right now. We have plenty of plenty of meat and taters on the offensive line and the defensive line to get it done. So, again, we're going to stick behind keeping all of these coaches. We're just going to adapt new mindset, new philosophies, and new schemes and hope it works out. But I'm all for it. Sign me up. If everything I'm seeing and hearing is a trend for the season mixed with the schedule, you got to bet the over. And in order to do that, it's probably best for you to be hooked up with FanDuel. Not only is it America's number one sports book, but as we're about to rock and roll with some baseball, it's that season, right? So the grand slams and the no-nos and the double plays and the walk-offs, matter of fun, matter of fact, uh, shout out to my son, hit a walk-off last night. It was pretty fun to watch. Uh, there's no better place to get any action, especially Major League Baseball action, than FanDuel. Right now, new customers need to step up to the plate, get your hands on this no-sweat first bet. It's up to $1,000 back. And bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to place your first bet and get that $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first one doesn't win. Do not miss this chance. Get your hands on it now. Again, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get your $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first one doesn't win at FanDuel, the official sports book partner of Major League Baseball. Speaking of baseball, so happy we could have this segue. It's Bedlam. And Bedlam anything is fun. Bedlam basketball was a lot of fun. You know, basketball season didn't quite go the way we had anticipated. Bedlam football. Okay, that's a different story. Um, Bedlam softball. Hasn't always been in our favor, but it's going to be a fun one. Bedlam baseball. It's interesting, right? Because we've we split recently, right? But we typically seem to have the edge. And this one is in Stillwater at Obrate. Before we get to the, you know, the, the Bedlam series. It's like a tune-up game. And it's a tune-up game that we actually need. And they do too, because guys, at this point in time last year, we were kind of starting to Hit the right groove, per se, right? We took a care of OU very well, won the series. Coming to the Big 12 tournament, it, it you know, it was what it was. And then OU kind of got hot. It's all, it's kind of like basketball. You want to get hot at the right time. Okay, it's not the right time, per se, but we're getting pretty close. And after this OU game today, we get KU for a three-game set. I don't know that we're able to kind of regain the momentum that we had in order to win the Big 12 regular season title. It's going to take some upsets and also us getting a couple sweeps. It's so frustrating talking about talent not being an issue across the board, yada, 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 right? It is, it is frustrating talking about that. But that's it again in baseball. We have four, five, six. Major League dudes right here, right now, that could like potentially start their major league career next year. But the problem seems to continue to be 
our incessant need to feel like we got to play power ball. Our inability to play small ball is so frustrating. And Rob Walton, for all the genius that he is, for all the success that he was able to have at Oral Roberts, and, 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 and his ability to bring guys into Stillwater, Oklahoma, and then to see what they do when they get to the major leagues, to see that disconnect. It's not the talent. It's not the evaluation. It's not them, you know, improving substantially after they leave. It's about just the mismanagement of the rotation. I'm no Rob Walton. But I've coached enough to know that you can physiologically tell the indicators for when you have an issue. So when you can tell whether it just be the opposite even or they're not driving their hip pocket well enough or they're overextending or they're overthrowing or they're just not getting the the, the feel for the spin rate out of their hand, whatever it is, you know what your pitcher's feeling. And your pitchers know that too. Going into the game, before you step on the mound, you got a pretty good idea of what's working and what's not. If you're a four-pitch guy, five-pitch guy, and you're not getting the spin rate, you're not getting it out of your hand right. It just doesn't feel right. You're not. It's not getting the break you typically get. <clears throat> then maybe you got to lean on your two seam or your four seam or both, and then you got to hit all your spots. Hitting spots becomes more important, right? When, when you're growing up playing the game of baseball or teaching or hearing. In the very beginning of pitching, it's all about what? Throwing strikes, right? And you, after you graduate throwing strikes, you learn how to hit spots, and then you, you get to fixate yourself on the evolutionary process of how to throw sliders and curveballs and all that fun jazz, right? You got to build up to it. And when you do that, as a coach, you have notes on everybody. You know physiologically what's working, as does your pitcher. Typically, he at least knows out of his hand what's wrong. Maybe anatomically down below, maybe not. Maybe, you know, his bases are right. And when you start to see that physiological indication, followed by a walk or two, followed by back-to-back hits, you pull the guy. Unless you're just conceding the game. It doesn't really matter how good you 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 know your guy is. Sometimes you just have off days. And the really good ones are able to differentiate the good days and the off days and still be able to compete and win on the off days. So you can see that. If his best stuff isn't working, is he still being competitive enough? Is he still manipulating the eye discipline at the plate for the batter? Is he still making it difficult? Is he elevating up and down in the zone? Is he painting the corners? You can see that. And if he's not, and he's giving up walks, and he's giving up hits, you got to pull the plug. You got to move on. And the most frustrating part about it is you, again, see the talent right after that. Because a lot of times this season, when we make that move, whether whether you're coming in and it be a Drew Blake, right? Whether it even be, I think Brian Hendry's, a little bit better in the middle reliever role than the starter role. He does have nasty stuff coming from St. John's off the Tommy John. I know he wants to bang right away. Garrett Binge, another one that's coming off of uh, another one of these massive types of surgeries. He can hit 95, 96, but right now he doesn't need to do that. 
command your 93, get yourself kind of back into the fray here. But our inability to pull them at the right times is head scratching. Every bit is head scratching is when Gundy decides to punt when we're down by eight with a minute left. It's the same thing. It just, it doesn't make sense. And so it begs the question, do we, when we get so reliant on the alumni coaching tree, when we have that alumni coaching tree and then our alumnus hire other alumni to be part of that tree, do they then become too loyal to see when maybe it's time to again, find a new cook for the cook for the cooks in the kitchen? These are all relevant things that need to be asked. We should beat OU. That should happen, especially in baseball. But everybody watched what happened last year, and Dagnabbit, if they didn't catch fire, and they did, okay, good for them. That was that was last year, and this year, ironically enough, so we kind of pulled a switcheroo. Uh, so we lost Kale Davis, uh, a pitcher that that was on our staff for a couple of years, right? And I personally was pretty upset about it. Uh, you could see the potential there, right? He's another guy that has some potential major league capabilities. And, uh, yeah, he switches up and he joins the enemy and he goes to Norman. Well, then we got one of their main guys, uh, the big six foot six, six foot seven, Ben Abrams, to come over. We have won that side of the deal because Ben Abrams is one of their aces. His ERAs, right? High sixes, which obviously is not good. But Kel Davis, his ERA is not only in the sevens. But his appearances uh, are pretty few and far between. I don't even think I don't even uh, he might have thirty, he might have thirty some odd innings. But we're winning that battle. They do have a Braden Carmichael, which you expect to see more in the series. He's not going to be a weekday guy. It'll be kind of interesting to see who goes tonight uh, for for both. You know, usually this would be a Brian Hendry type of role, but we haven't seen. A couple guys, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what Ryan, Ryan Bogus has been up to. Kind of curious to figure out when we're going to be able to get Nolan McLean back. It's probably going to be a little bit. Hopefully, we're still around in contention for stuff when we do get him back. But, you know, they've got Carmichael, like a 2.6 ERA. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a couple guys right around the 4.2, 4.3, 4.4, 5.0 range. Uh, they spread their innings around pretty comparable to we do. They, they seem to be a little bit top heavy, in my opinion, um, when they've got, you know, two, two guys between them have almost 120 innings. Um, just those two, the the doubt it or whatever the hell his name is, that guy and Carmichael. They're a pretty good combination, but I feel like we win the battle there on the mound. And really, it comes down to hitting. Our situational hitting has not been great. But we have the ability to go yard all the time, which is the, the fun, sexy pick that everybody seems to fall in love with, us included. You know, we, we finally threw Jawan Ross Brown on a Friday so he could be the Friday guy now that we're, oh, I don't know, at the very back half of the season. Better late than never. But he didn't look exactly comfortable in that role. Ben Abrams, he, he's going to throw strikes. He's going to do some damage. He's going to allow your defense to work. So if your defense is making errors, it's not going to be beneficial. We're just, we're going down at the wrong time, right? 
We should never lose a baseball series to West Virginia. I know West Virginia is better. I know they've been improving for years. I get it. But it still shouldn't happen. It was between us, Texas, and TCU, for the most part, for the regular season title. And we're all but playing our way out of that. So this is a big game that we need. This is a momentum-building game that we absolutely have to have. And let's face it, guys. Then we have a a series against KU. That is a get-right series. It is. You should sweep that. So hopefully we win tonight. If nothing else, give OU a 500 record because they're uh, 19 and 18. Uh, We're stumbling. We're stumbling backwards, right? 24 and 13. It's going the wrong daggum direction. We're still in the top 25. If we lose this one, we will not be in the top 25, regardless of what happens to KU. So this is actually a a good game for both. They need this to, you know, dread, to not hit that dreaded just 500 line. And we need this to have any shot to, to win the Big 12 regular season. It would take a few upsets by Texas to kind of fall flat on their face a bit. It would take a couple sweeps on our hand. But we know the talent's there. Uh, We're going to have some injury updates, hopefully coming up pretty soon, that are good news for for Cowboy Baseball while we're reeling a little bit from the Rock Regio stuff. We've got a small ball lineup. I'm curious if we use it tonight. If we we see a a large helping of Zach Earhart, Jackson Kroll, and your, you know, traditional small ball type of guys, or do we continue to go with the power bats? And hope it works out. I mean, David Mendham's a power bat. He's been finding some singles and doubles recently. So you're seeing improvements. It's just doing it in critical situations, which has been an issue for a few years. Pitching rotation, pulling the pitcher at the right time to put the middle relief in or the closer. These are important things that we seem to be missing on. Hopefully we can figure figure it out. Let me know what y'all think about the Bedlam Baseball Series coming up. Let me know about what you think on the Caleb ETN situation. Until then, that's all we got for this one. As always, I love you all. God bless. Go, folks. Let's, uh, let's beat the good old boomers today.